okay, my business is uh, women's apparel and, and the type of apparel that we uh, sell has a great appeal to women between the ages of 20 and 50. Let's say that's who really buys. Well, then I don't want to target anyone younger than 20. And I don't really want to target anyone older than age 50 because that's who buys. And I said women. So I don't want to have a single man see my ad. And I don't want anyone that is not willing to drive the distance. And you could say no one's coming outside of five miles. And I go, great. Nobody outside of five miles, but every woman age 20 to 50, no men. And that's a great start for understanding this is targeted advertising. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Patrick Stewart here with me. He is the CEO of Apricot Lane Boutique, uh, which is proudly put over 80 locations across the country. Uh, Patrick was formerly the CMO of Sears Holdings and was responsible for driving a record revenue of $1.2 billion and 35% increase in profitability, which if you're not a numbers guy, those are huge numbers. So um, they are expanding extremely fast. And so we're going to kind of dive into how do you manage this kind of growth? How do you, uh, how do you build something that people want to buy into and believe in? And so uh, with that, Patrick, welcome to the Money Talkers show. Hey, thank you for having me, Cody. Appreciate it. Glad to well, be here. I'm a little jealous right now. You are calling in from Napa. And so uh, I be, I might have to come out there and do a face-to-face -face podcast interview with <laughs> I'll you. I'll do a little wine tasting. <laughs> <laughs> Get down to some real nitty-gritty stories in there. But uh, so tell me this. How did you end up in a women's fashion boutique franchise? Well, uh, super interesting. All of my background has always been in... Uh, retail apparel and I, i've been in men's and women's a long time and this thing happened to be something that the founders of this franchise uh were kind of stuck in not being able to really grow the business the way they wanted to and wanted to bring in someone that had expertise in apparel and retail multi-channel brick and mortar and online and uh someone that really understood marketing because that was a, an additional component to how to grow a franchise, but, but the marketing side didn't really need to be apparel related. It just needed to be, we need marketing. We know we need that because we need to bring awareness to this franchise. Um, so that's how, so, the, so basically the founders of the business stepped aside and said, we want you to be in charge. And I said, great. 
let's get into this. And it's been four years. Uh, we've had interesting hiccups along the way with COVID said setting a new type of speed bump that I had never encountered before. Pretty much no one had. Uh, we navigated that and where we are now is on this tremendous growth. Uh, it, it's, an, it's an amazing upward trend that we have right now, not just with the number of franchises that we're growing, which is tremendous. We're gonna grow by you know another 50 plus percent next year. So that's great. Uh, but I think that for your listeners, the bigger deal is that we have unlocked a a business model for the individual franchise owners that's making each one of them very successful. So in retail, you usually measure that by comp store sales. And we've got double digit comp store sales going on compared to 2019. I don't compare anything to a COVID year. I consider that to be an anomaly. So I try to level set against a year where it was all very even. And when you do double digit sales growth in almost anything that's tremendous and in retail it's it's extremely uncommon uh, and i like to point to things that are happening in uh, the world that make it so that our business stands out we teach differently uh, so that the experience inside each of our boutiques is different and we make really successful uh, business owners so a franchise a franchisee is really a business owner. I encourage all listeners to look into franchises if you have any interest in uh, becoming a business owner. Just reduces a lot of the risk, uh, but it puts you in huge control of your life. If it's something that you enjoy, and it's not so, one thing is you are probably going to be financially successful with a franchise. So that would be step one for everyone to be kind of interested in. Uh, but if you choose a franchise that is your passion, now you're going to do something that you love and be financially successful. And that is a big mental unlock for like a lot of people out there. Probably every one of your listeners is like, boy, that sounds really good. Yeah, no, I, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> my brain doesn't turn off with looking at businesses and all kinds of things. So I have explored, I don't even know how many umpteen different franchise ideas that go through my brain. And my wife is constantly just shaking her head at me. But, uh, you know, I, um, I wanted to kind of circle back to where you, you said you entered the business. Um, because I think this is very, I think it's very relevant. I think it's very important. Um, because I think it's a many, many small businesses have the same problem, but you said you entered the business and they were having a massive problem that they needed marketing, but they just knew that they didn't like what. So what did you see? Where did you start with that? Because it's going to be it's a little tough for some people to probably say, oh, well, you know, if I owned 80 business, 80, you know, if I had 80 locations like that's like it's a little on they, they, you know, it's probably hard to relate to what the problems are in an 80 location place. But I would imagine a one location place or a small few that when you go in and people say, oh, I need marketing, where do you start? Because that's where your whole background has been with, right? Yeah. And so what did you see? How did you attack it? Like, what, where did you start? Because I think a lot of people are in that sea of unknown. Oh, yeah. So I come from a background of more than 30 years in marketing. Love it. It's great. Uh, and 
the thing to me is it can be very simple. Uh, it can be complex, but you should not mentally have the burden of thinking of marketing as complicated. I can comfort you by telling you that marketing is simply an investment and there is a formula that I have worked out that makes for a business owner, it makes it very, very comfortable and understandable. It's a one pager and I'll tell everyone on what it is. The one pager is just this, understand that marketing is an investment and the only question that you have is, am I getting a return on investment so that my $1 invested returns more to me in incremental profit than that? And there's a formula in the world of, uh, in the world of th that I'm in, which is putting people in a brick and mortar business and saying, you're going to be profitable in this business. You don't really need online, you need digital but fulfilling online orders is not necessary for you to be very successful in this brick and mortar. So if you are in that business, then the investment in marketing should only be about this. The burden of the marketing dollar is to drive incremental traffic. And then you as the owner convert the traffic into purchases and you're gonna pay attention to things like your average daily sale and how many units you sell and that sort of thing. But really what you're looking for is just focus on it delivers a customer to me. I make the customer purchase or I let them walk. And you get to track all of these different metrics that I share with all of our owners. But the key thing is if you focus on the marketing investment only has to deliver traffic, then you can develop a traffic count that you want for every dollar spent or invested. I wanna have this much margin dollar from just a person walking in. That's the marketing formula that I give everyone. And then I just say, now all you do is you make sure that the marketing investment delivers a traffic. And I sing about doing digital marketing. This is the only kind that I recommend. I've got all the formulas for the highest return on investment marketing and the kind that proves itself again and again are targeted digital advertising and search, paid searches so that you're found when someone does, let's say you've got a business and you're in the, let's say you got a pizza business. You want to have this as the result. If someone says, hey Alexa, what's the nearest pizza place near me? You want your business to show up for that search, whether they did a search with Alexa, Siri, or if they did a Google search or Yahoo or Bing, however they did their search, you want to show up if you're within driving distance, right? So you'll figure out what your driving distance is to your location, five miles, six miles, could be two miles. You wanna make sure you're found. That's the search side. And paid advertising works the same way. It's targeted so that your ads show up within that radius around your location. And then you don't want people that are from 20 miles away because they aren't going to drive. So you're wasting money having your ads show up for people that they just aren't going to come. So anyway, that's the very quick view of why uh, digital can work so powerfully for an individual business owner, depending on the type of business you're in. And you know, it changes completely if you decide to be pure online because then the radius thing doesn't matter, then it's just likelihood of purchasing. But there are, there are definitely formulas, it's very scientific, 
but but don't be turned off by that term it just means that the magic is removed it is magic in that it's cool but it's all very understandable it is it's as rock solid as mathematics and that's how you can scale your business yeah it's funny though that in marketing the simplest answer is usually the best one right people have always asked they've asked me like when they ask me to come and just give information and the first question i'm asked is just the same thing you just said how much traffic do you have and how do you convert them mm-hmm. that's it you got more people sell more stuff right and you gotta and you just if you track those two numbers almost all the rest of them to me are almost irrelevant then if you've got traffic, where are your people coming from? How do you get more traffic? And then how do you convert the people that show up? You can move either yeah. one of those numbers up. You're going to do much better. Yeah. You know? And then and then you can refine it after that. Yeah. But the key thing is to not get bogged down in too many details because if you've put the other details first and you just don't have the traffic, the other details don't matter. It's blocking I, and tackling, I, right? delivered one extra person, <laughs> one person, but I raised my prices a lot, but it still wasn't enough. Of course, because you don't have the foundation fixed. Yeah. <laughs> Put this house on a good concrete foundation. Let's not build it on sand. Um, yeah, all the bells yeah. and whistles, all the bells and whistles won't work if you don't have somebody. You know, that's the thing. Like, and, and I, th- I think the other part about the two is like, is being specific about who you're targeting. Like you kind of mentioned earlier, like targeted advertising. You need, you know, to identify the person that you want to sell to seems to me for startup people and for new or struggling entrepreneurs that exercise of saying this is my customer what do they want where are they right instead of saying i will and you say well who do you want to sell to what the answer from people that are struggling a lot of times is everybody yeah that's that is unsustainable to target targeted advertising in a simple term and and people really get this that are listening it's like okay my business is uh women's apparel and and the type of apparel that we uh sell has a great appeal to women between the ages of 20 and 50. let's say that's who really buys well then i don't want to target anyone younger than 20 and i don't really want to target anyone older than age 50 because that's who buys and i said women so I don't want to have a single man see my ad. And I don't want anyone that is not willing to drive the distance. And you could say no one's coming outside of five miles. And I go, great. Nobody outside of five miles, but every woman age 20 to 50, no men. And that's a great start for understanding this is targeted advertising. You can definitely buy ads that only appear to those people and you can target further you can say and i only want my ads to show up on tuesday wednesday thursday friday and i only want my ads to show up between the uh, hours of 2 p.m and 8 p.m so this type of refining targeting is what makes every dollar you invest work really hard and effectively for you And then you refine from there. You say, hey, guess what? I wasn't advertising on Saturday before, but now I'm going to go after Saturdays too. And you unlock again and again, better traffic. And you can refine the age group. And you can, with certain platforms, refine household income. You can say, you know what? I found that the people that have household income of 100,000 or greater are way better than those that are household income under 50,000. And you can target only those wealthier uh, hustled incomes 
if that's what works out for traffic that you see really converting better, right? So you could, after several months of seeing the, the traffic good, you can say, as I learn more about my customer, it seems these are the ones that purchase more, higher ticket, an easier sale, and these are those that just come in, browse, and leave. And you refine your targeted marketing from there. I think doing these, though, I feel the, that personally I can walk into any business and do this. All right. And I'm assuming, you know, if you, if, because it's back to the fundamentals every time it's identifying the customer, finding out where they are, how they shop, whatever it is. You know, I went into an RV business. I'd never been in an RV before. Right. <laughs> like I was walking, I was like, this is unbelievable. And there's just giant motorhomes and travel trailers and fifth wheels everywhere. And I'm like, this is crazy. I, I just, for the first like two hours I was there, I just like walked in and out of them. I'm like, this is unbelievable. You know, yep. but like it didn't, it just, it translates to, okay, well, where are my customers? Who are they? Who's, who's our top people? And you've got to kind of fringe out that 10 or 20% that you could target, but don't return the dollar. Yeah. You know, it's better to be the, you know, say the, the riches are in the niches. Right. And it's like, it's better to be a really good servant to one, to your customer than to be a, a basic servant to every customer. Right. Cody, that's, that's such a good statement to make. So for all your listeners, I'm going to add on to that. If you uh, really want to be successful in business, you're going to find that it's far, far easier for you to be financially successful and emotionally rewarded if you actually love the customer. If you do, it's not going to day by day be a mystery of who the customer is, what makes them tick, where they are. Uh, what they really like and what they want, you already are going to want to uncover those things because you really like the customer. So a business that you should want to be in is one where you really have an affinity for the customer uh, because that's just going to make it easier. It's not that you can't do it, you know, uh, but it's so much easier if you already like the type of customer that's interested in, in what you're selling. So the RV thing is an example of if you really liked the type of person that was interested in owning uh, an RV and ultimately did purchase an RV, if you liked that type of person, you're going to be great at that business. But if you don't like them, you might be, but it's just going to be a business that day by day <laughs> kind of drains you. Even if that, but it's success. also the result, right? The result yeah. is can be the part that you love too, because it's like, okay, I have, you know, we we became this volume dealer, like a car dealership, and it was like we know that we were saving people so much money, even though they were spending a lot, but we were we were changing the process, is what we did, and we went to try to make it. We it wasn't hadn't been updated in a while, right? Yeah. And so um, we decided to sell on the internet. We were going to sell RVs on the internet, and people. Were, what are you talking about? You know, like, and if my favorite thing was when we had sales meetings in the first, you know, cause we had a lot of different salespeople as part of the business, but like, uh, I would ask them, so raise your hand. If you would send me $30,000 sight unseen for an RV, I've never had in, in eight years, I never had one person raise their hand. <laughs> and I said, well, you're going to, I said, now I was like, if you think it's scary, you're going to ask people to do that. And they were like, Okay. And I'm like, so you have to understand that they also are scared to do this. And so we have to explain the process better. And so we would, you know, and that part of it of like kind of diving in with your people 
was our secret to taking down not just the process, but we were putting back into them. And so I wanted to kind of flip that a little bit to ask you, as you guys have had this, you know, exponential growth. And I mean, you know, you've got 80 plus locations, you're getting it ready to add another 40 in one year. Like those are, that's a lot of moving parts and a lot of, of family situations and a lot of, you know, different problems to, to tackle and, you know, life happens and you've got all these different franchises. Like, how do you, like, how do you square that circle, man? Like, how do you, how do you keep with, you don't control the locations obviously because they're franchising and for people that don't know basically franchising is, is you're buying a business process that's already in place to level so to reduce some of your risk by just being a startup and not having you know either suppliers or you know pricing or marketing and all these other different pieces that go into a business but like how do you how, like can you walk me through like what that's like being on the franchise side of things so once yeah. you start going through this growth like how do you can how do you keep control while they own it yeah. <laughs> you know to keep the brand online so yeah so let's talk about two different customers so the the because we've talked about loving your customers a lot yeah and so on the franchise side my customer is that individual business owner and i've always got the mindset that that individual business owner the franchisee they have to love the customer that they're going to have yeah so understand their mindset is this is a person who and this is who's very successful for us they come to they come to us exploring a franchise because they want to be independent own a business but they want to they want to be in business for themselves but not by themselves and they if they're going to be successful with us, one of the key ingredients that I look for when we're having initial conversations is they mention I've got a passion for fashion. If they don't have that, if they don't mention that, and they can come from any background, they could come from an, I was a banker for 20 years, I've been a stay at home mom, I've been uh, in, in retail, maybe, but not required, or I've been a teacher, whatever background, we've got them all. If they don't mention I've got a passion for fashion at all, I'm like, boy, it's going to be very hard for you uh, to enjoy this business. You could be financially successful, but enjoying it because how are you going to relate to the person who's coming into your boutique to shop for fashion? You don't have a passion for it yourself. How could you understand that end customer? But, but anyway, it's a rare thing. Mostly, I look for them to say, I've got a passion for fashion. I said, oh, you're probably going to understand what makes your customer tick. And then all you want to do is be is maintain that focus on them. They love fashion. That's why they're in a boutique shopping. And you get to be the buyer for them. That's the big deal with our franchises. We empower all of our owners to become great fashion buyers we corporately don't mandate here's what you're going to carry we introduce them to vendors we get them great discounts we've got a fantastic network of 70 different places for them to buy product um, but it's not mandated what to buy we guide them on here's what you should you should carry this much assortment and tops and this much should be high fashion this much mid-tier and this much basics and we teach them what's going to be going to make them successful but we really want them to do the buy so that when that customer comes in they know that that's who they're buying for 
They aren't buying for themselves, they're buying for the customer. And that creates the best uh, relationship between business owner and customer. So now getting back to me as the, okay, so I'm the franchisor, what do I look for in the mindset of a person who is exploring owning a franchise, not just ours? What's their mindset? I go back to, again, they're thinking they want to be in control. They've got a lot of built-in red alerts, just like you mentioned with the person who's going to commit to $30,000 for an RV site on scene, right? These guys are going to commit far more than that to getting an entire brick and mortar built. It's going to be probably a $200,000 investment overall. So it's significant. And we're going to take a lot of time walking them through it. And we know what their hesitations are. And their biggest hesitation is, how am I assured that I'm not going to fail at this? Right? That's what they really want to know. And then how successful am I going to be? Well, we've, uh, you know, during my time as CEO, built ourselves into the number one women's fashion franchise. So that's good. They're with number one. But we're still fairly small. We're going to be over 100 stores shortly, but still that's small. In the world of retail, thousands is big. 100 is still relatively small. But we're very successful and we're able to, to tell them what has been done by others can be done by you. And so we're very happy to let them talk with other owners. And that way they know they aren't blazing a path that's the first time it's been done. It's been done many times. So we've got a proven business model. That helps. Uh, and the big, big thing that uh, people want to know is that they have this support. It's not, you know, because really what's the difference of, between owning your own business versus a franchise? And the franchise is supposed to give you a business model that works and you should have a support team that supports you and all the strengths that you don't have. And so that's exactly what I've put in place is a team that just is, has, is strong right now and is getting stronger. I've just, uh, I will have onboarded four additional uh, team members within the next two months that, um, that are so great for business owners. I mean, experts in merchant assortment that are able to spend, and it's not just here's a person and you don't have access to them. I mean, one-on-one, -on -one, we are working with you in, in all kinds of areas. We're working with you in social media, we're working with our merchandise assortment, visual merchandising operations and your team. And when you have people that are dedicated to not just waiting for you to call, but we have scheduled meetings where we're going through exactly the things that are working in your boutique and the things that aren't and how to adjust for them. It's not enough just to point out a problem and say, well, there's your problem. You have to say, here is exactly how to fix it. When you're given that type of guidance, that is, that's like an, a person who wants to be a good athlete getting expert coaching. That's what makes the very best in the world. And so that's, that's my focus on our customers is realizing what they need from, from us, from, uh, from their headquarters team. What do they need to be successful? 
and it works, makes them very, and creates this wonderful thing, which is making a good business owner has this wonderful ripple effect. They're going to hire people and it's going to be a great working environment for the people that are seeing the successful owner. And then they have all these customers and they're, that's a, a really very nice experience. If you've ever been to a really successful, successful restaurant, the customers are happy because the food and the service is great. The people that are working happy are probably making good tips, so they seem to be enjoying it. If the business owner comes out to you and greets you at your table, you know you're at a good place. So, so this fantastic experience is really what we're creating. It's in the women's fashion space. Um, again, for your owners, though, if there's men listening, they're like, ah, this isn't for me. But that's the type of business that you want to be in. <laughs> the, uh, so when you've got this many owners, what are you seeing separate people into the top tier of the, uh, of the ownership? Um, because I'm going to guess that location is brought up as the defining piece, but I'm going to guess from your side that that's not the, uh, the difference that you see in the most successful stores between the ones that need more work to do. So yeah, how do so, you, what pattern do you see of the ownership or the location yeah. or the store or whatever it is? Yeah. Location is super important to us when we, we do the real estate searching for the owner. We have people call us up and they say, oh, I've, I've done research and I found this place where we're like, great, that's great. Uh, you know, this is what we do we pretty much won't allow you to fail by making a bad choice. So, so we do real estate searching on the ground with our franchisees. So we've got a network of really good real estate experts that put together a giant booklet of here's all the great real estate opportunities near you, but you aren't going to make this without us on the ground looking at real estate with you. We fly out, we take you on a market tour to visit multiple locations so that you're really seeing them. And with that comes, we've done analysis to the type of traffic expectations you should have so that you can kind of understand, here's what the sales uh, potential is here. And then here's what the lease is probably going to be like so that you can see, hey, if I'm gonna get myself into a a real estate situation that's going to cost me a hundred thousand dollars a year in rent. I need this to be the sales so that I understand here's what the profitability is. Similarly, what, what if the rent was going to be half of that, then what would the sales be? So you get to make a very educated business decision before you've signed any commitment to any real estate. I'm getting to your question. What makes someone successful? Because we have folks that are paying as little as $25,000 for annual rent, and we have those that are paying as much as $125,000 and everything in between. The thing that makes them, and there are success stories in each one of those, there's a variability, which is, well, how much profit do you want to have in your business uh, say year one, year two, or year three, what's your tolerance for? I'm trying to get to this level of profitability. And uh, there's a great variety. It depends on the person. 
because where we see a very good and repeating very frequent type of owner it's like i just want to have a business that is committing maybe somewhere in the realm of $75,000 towards uh, rent. And I want that to be only 10% of my sales. So I want to have a location that's doing about $750,000 in sales. And I'm going to be having profit of more than $150,000 within two years of ownership. That's where, and we see a lot of people saying, that's kind of the business that I want to create. We, we can find that for you. And we can find that in many locations when we're making that real estate decision. The, the, but the common thread and the type of person who's going to get there fastest and most assuredly is the one that really wants to and does lean on the team at franchise headquarters. Because the people that don't follow the, the proven business model stray off and, and get in trouble and have to self-correct and it might take them longer to get there. But those that follow our guidance, they thrive. Um, it kind of makes sense, right? If it's a proven business model, you want to follow it and not be too headstrong and think I've got a better method. And, and this would be the advice I would give to anyone that's going to join a franchise. Join a franchise that you trust has it worked out and then follow their model. I would actually give that advice to anybody going into any field anywhere. I have made, I have had more success looking at someone that's being successful and copying what they're doing, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I would especially say for parents or listening with young people, they don't need to be a paid person to be around somebody who's doing well to be success. Sometimes a little sweat equity will get you much farther. Uh, and I find that most people who have success are very welcoming to young people that are looking for guidance and information um, to pull the curtain back because what's more fun than like sharing it and trying to have an impact with somebody, a young person that's got that kind of mindset. Right. And so uh, it's actually the opposite of what most people think is, Oh, he's successful, probably too busy to deal with any of this stuff. And it's like, no, it's actually the other way around. Like you want to, you're successful because you care about making people better at things. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's, in, it's ingrained and inherent in there. And uh, it, it's, you know, I find that like what you're talking about right now, like with being able to say, okay, there's a proven model. There was a way it works. It, you plug and play and go into it. Well, that works in almost every field of every job opportunity or whatever you want to be, to be successful at something, find the people who are successful at it and look what they do, you know, begin to emulate those uh, characteristics or patterns uh, that they do because success leaves a big trail. You mm -hmm. know, most people want to go run and blaze their own trail and find that it's a lot harder that way. You know, and so those, those are the stories that intimidate people and they think that they're going to just, they have to work for someone else because they've heard nine out of 10 small businesses fail. That statistic exists because people want to blaze their own trail and aren't looking for the right help. And it is good that there, that there are people that, uh, that have the self-confidence that they can do it on their own. Just beware. If you want to create much better odds for success, you want to, you want to have a roadmap. So if you're starting out from New York and you need to get to California and I say do it without a roadmap, you're going to rely on the street signs. But if I removed all the street signs and then I said get there, 
it's going to be much harder than if I say, how about this map? So that's what, that's what that's a, I was just picturing that in my head about like, that's actually the entrepreneurial journey for most people is just like the squiggly up and down trying to get to, they know where they're trying to get to, but it's like, you know, there's no, I, I mean, you can follow the sun, you can follow the sun, but don't travel at night because it's going to get you astray. The much better method is the roadmap uh, just is like, thank you. Someone already did it. They charted the course. Maybe I can install this. It's still going to be a great adventure believe me, it's still a great adventure owning your own business within a franchise. It's just that you have made it so that the odds are stacked with you instead of against you. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier with a team of people that have made the mistakes. And because we learn more, I think we're, uh, I always, I tell my kids is, you know, failure, um, is a bigger teacher than success is, you know? And so that the failures have already been made, and somebody yes. else has already learned the lesson, then yes, you let can, them teach yeah, you. yeah, let them be the ones that <laughs> say, Hey, oh, don't do that. And I feel like that was money talkers a lot of times when I talk to people and I'm saying, Hey, you know, listen, like I'm not a financial guru, so I can't keep, teach my kids about finances. I guarantee you, you've got hundreds of lessons that, <laughs> that, that you could pass on that would be beneficial so that they don't make the exact same mistakes because that's yep. what's going to happen. So, um, you know, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll say this also that, uh, one of one of the and there weren't many good things that came uh, in the in the wake of COVID, but one of the things that came from it is a great awakening in people that, hey, maybe um, maybe the thing that I've been doing. If you've been in corporate life for five, ten, twenty, some people thirty years, uh, they had the great reset, which was maybe there's something better for me, and. Um, it's true. There is something better for you. It's glad that you are uh, seeing and starting to explore. Uh, that's where across the United States, we're seeing it, more interest in exploring. And that's the first and most important step is to allow yourself to think that there is something better for you. Doesn't matter how many years you've been doing what you have been doing. If it's not a passion for you, you can have something that really makes you happy. Yeah. Yep. Go get it. Well, listen, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on with me on the Money Talkers. And uh, I love that last message there. And so um, if people want to find out more about uh, what you guys are doing, uh, where do they go and who should come find you? Check out us online, apricotlanefranchise.com. And you'll see all the information about there. You'll be able to see a lot of our owners. You can learn everything. It's a fun website, very, uh, very interactive. Uh, so check us out. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on Money Talkers. We're going to wrap up here and then do the high impact series. Uh, parents, listen, break the walls down. Go have the conversations you need to have. Just talking about these things. If you don't know much about franchising, this is an awesome opportunity to just pick it up and say, look, this is a way that some people go through business. They don't need to struggle and figure it all out on their own. You know, there's most like that statistic of businesses failing. There's six main components to a business plan. Uh, and most people try one or two of them and don't realize that if they had started off the right foot with the mistakes or the opportunities already placed in front of them, it is a roadmap to where you want to go. And so, uh, but if you don't know much about it, like what an opportunity to sit down and explore it with your kids. Why don't you guys pick a franchise? Everybody pick their own franchise. And everybody could do a little background research and bring back what you found and see who can sell their, their franchise to the other rest of the family members better than the other one. So, uh, but with that, thank you so much, Patrick. Great idea. Hey, Cody, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids' financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.